says I am. I can do. I can do what it says I can. What it says I can. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And not a doubter. Not a doubt. I am a doer. I'm a doer. And not just a hearer. Not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I am humble before the Lord. I am obedient to the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that. I know that. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by. And hearing by. The word of God. The word of God. Amen. 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 Thank you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Well, our scripture is coming from the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 and 15. If you have a Bible that's on your phone on the app or so, if you would, just turn there. Again, we want to thank God for all our youth for being in the house with us today. It feels good to have all of them back in the house. Amen. And we know that they're learning uh, when they go up on Pelham, but we just thank God for once a quarter. Oh, when they go up to the spot uh, on Pelham, you know, they are learning some things up there that they're able to share with us down here. Amen. Well, thank God for all the, the young kids who continue to stay faithfully here and continue to work and serve in the ministry. And all of you for being here to show your love and support to them on this day. Amen. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, New uh, living translation and verse 15 and the, again the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip somebody say a long trip, long trip. The, the time that he left to the time that he returned is what we want to call the interim time and I want you to see that as the time that you got saved to the time Jesus come back and the question is what are you doing with that time because there's an expectation that you're going to be doing something while he's gone. Amen? He called together his servant and entrusted his money to them while he was, has, while he has gone. While he was gone, excuse me. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Divided in, in, it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on a trip. Get this, young people. They didn't have to chase the bag. He gave them the bag. When it comes to your gifts and your talent, you ain't got to chase it. He done already gave it to you. You just need to operate in what God has already anointed you to do. Because all of you have a gift or a talent that is uniquely yours, and God gave it to you. Amen? And so he gave them that, dividing it up in proportion, in proportion to their abilities. God already knows what you're capable of doing. And he ain't going to give you more than you can do something with. But what he gives you, he expects you to do something with it. Amen? Then he left on his trip. Well, you may be seated. This is going to be our fourth and final sermon in this series that we've centered around our theme for the year, the year of great stewardship. And I've said my objective has been to inspire and encourage you to embrace and fulfill your stewardship responsibilities. You know, as you worship and serve the Lord in your home, on your job, in your community, in your social circles, young people in school. Because when you're in school, you should be serving and representing the Lord as well as learning in your educational experience. Amen? 
And so even in our circles that we run in, God expects us to be a representative of him. Now, we said that by definition, steward is someone who oversees or manages the property or house of the owner. In other words, what God has entrusted you with does not belong to you. So a stewardship is a sacred trust, a commission or a charge. It, it also is delegated responsibility. A lot of times we want the things that come with advancement, but we don't always want the responsibility. I remember when I was a you know, young tech sergeant, I wanted to make master sergeant, but I only wanted to make it for the money. I didn't want the responsibility. Because once I made master sergeant, I had to supervise more people. Then I had to write more EPRs, more letter reprimands, letter counseling, all the things that come in. I, I didn't want that. I just wanted the, I just wanted the bag. But I didn't want the responsibility. And what I'm trying to get you to see today, if you're in a position of responsibility, then you got to accept the whole role. You just can't accept the resources that come with the responsibility. You got to accept the duties. Oh, I thought I would get an amen right there. Maybe because the kids are here, they ain't used to talking back to them. But Cliff, I may need your help today. So, so, so therefore, as Christian stewards, we recognize that all human time, our talent, and our treasure and everything that's in the earth is on loan to us from God. Amen. He is the divine owner, and he has entrusted us with certain things that he expects us to use to his glory. And, and you know, I look briefly at several things, the characteristics of a good steward, and I'll just share these briefly. But for those of you who haven't been here, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. You can kind of get some connected knowledge so you can follow this train of thought. A good steward is constructive and productive. A good steward practice conservation. In other words, they don't waste. I was at home last night by myself, as always, and uh, my daughter came over, and she's going to try to put a stewardship lesson on me. She's going to say, you got all these lights on in the house. You're just wasting it. electricity. I said, you know you're right, because I leave the light on in the kitchen all night. I mean, I'll never turn it off. It just... Oh, but I would imagine if I would quantify that and find out that I may be wasting $10, $15 a month by just leaving that light on all the time. Something to think about. See, what happens is we get careless when we don't have to worry about light bill payments. If I had to worry about making that payment every month, then I'd turn that light off. But because I know I'm on the schedule plan and the money is good, I waste. And God could possibly hold me up for wasting. Good stewards are reliable, and good stewards are faithful. Therefore, good stewards don't waste their time, they don't neglect their talents, and they don't squander or waste their resources. Amen? Now, in previous messages, we've looked at several things about stewardship. And uh, again, don't have to go back, time to go back over them. But today, we want to take a quick stop before we get back to our text in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 18. As Christians living for the Lord, 
we have to be good stewards over our time here on earth. And we are supposed to make the most of every opportunity that we get to live for him, especially in the evil days that we are living in. Some of your Bibles say we ought to be redeeming the time. In other words, take every opportunity to buy back some time so that you can be using it to glorify God. Don't waste an opportunity. Many of times in life we get an opportunity to do certain things, but because we're not sensitive to God's spirit, we miss opportunities. And therefore, we end up wasting moments where we could be ministering, whether it's in our home, in our jobs, on our in our community, in our social circles. So look what Paul was writing to these members of the church in Ephesians, because the times were kind of wicked. And there was a state of urgency that he had for them, and, th and this urgency is why I want to speak directly at our young people. Now, all of this may not apply to you directly, but... I just want to connect it to you because, you know, you're not fully set in your ways yet. Some of the folks in here with you are set. They done heard this many times before. And they may or may not want to receive it again. But you're not set in your ways. So I want to kind of address this to you and to try to connect it to where you may be in life. Because he was talking to the church there. He says, in verse 3, 15, he says, so be careful how you live. See, right now, I'm set in my ways. I ain't living but one or two ways. You know, I'm just going on, walking, doing that. I'm set. I ain't, you know. Worst thing I can do is just change TV channels and look at a new show. <laughs> you know me, I'm, I'm set. You know, I ain't going out and drink no more. My partying day's over, so I'm set. But some of you are not set in your ways. And so I want to caution you to be careful how you live. Because how you live now will determine what your life is going to be like 20 years from. And so he says, old people and young people, myself included, don't live like fools, but live like you're wise. There's a difference between wisdom and smarts. There's, education can get you smart, but it don't always get you wisdom. Wisdom is something that the Bible tells us, young people, we need to ask for. And if we ask for it, the Bible says God will give it to us because he's the one that supplies wisdom to us. And so what I want to tell you is that wisdom says, hey, I'm going to take the knowledge that I learned here in church, in, in the Bible, the things that have been taught to me, and then I'm going to apply it to my daily life. Because if I don't apply what I'm learning, then that's foolish. Amen. Amen. He says, so he wants us to live like we are wise. Then he says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. You know, when I was young, we had evil days too. But I will venture to say that the days now, Cliff, whew, they put our little evil days to shame. You know, we had to share a party line to talk to folks. And you couldn't get too personal on a party line because everybody listened in. You know, you had three or four folks in your neighborhood with the same phone. See, some of you young folks don't know nothing about that. They got their own personal cell phone right now. And, 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 and they can experience some evils in their hand that I never thought about. I mean, at the, at the push of a button, just a, now you can even just talk to your phone. 
Just tell her to go find me this. And it'll find it for you. And so young people, I'm going to tell you, don't let that device in your hand cause you to miss what God has for you in life. Because there's some things that's out there that's, what, that's designed to trap you and to trick you and to pull you away from where you're headed now. And if you get distracted, you could find yourself acting like a fool when you're supposed to be wise. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. Hmm. Careless, reckless. And, and uncivil is one of those words that connect the thoughtlessness. And you know we're living in an uncivil society right now. Amen. Woke up this morning, man. Somebody just shot up California again. I mean, just the news, just, just people out there trying to celebrate something, and somebody just starts shooting. For no rhyme or reason. And so what I'm trying to tell you, if you don't, be careful where you find yourself at and you don't be wise in the situation that you're in and be alert, something could happen to you. But if you know the times that we're living in are evil, that means that you need to be alert everywhere you go. Don't be thoughtless. Oh, that could never happen here. Oh, don't let the devil deceive you. So he says, don't act thoughtlessness, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Each one of you have to determine in your heart what it is that God wants me to do. And if I got to understand that, that means that God wants me to sit down and think through what I believe he would have me to do. And once I determine that, he expects me to be a good steward over what he's blessed me with. So young people, I say to you and I say to even the adults, God has given you all something that you can have stewardship over. It's up to you to determine whether or not you're going to use it. He says, now look, and I know I ain't getting on the young people's street right here, so I'll just read this to the little bit older than the young people. Because in verse 18 he says, don't be drunk with wine. So I'm just going to take for granted none of our young folk back there that have been drunk before. I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And, I, you know, I ain't going to ask them to raise their hand, but I'm just going to give y'all the benefit of the doubt. So you're taking this lesson right here for your friends who you know to get drunk. And you need to tell them, don't be drunk with. You know, I know some of y'all uh, moms that you go out and hang out with your friends every now and then. And just let me give you some wisdom, because I ain't real smart, but just let me give you some wisdom. When you go to the setting, party, whatever it is, if you didn't mix it, don't drink it. Take your little Eddie or whatever you got, Yeti, with you and know what you finna drink. Because even your friend will put some stuff in there that could cause you to act like a fool. I'm just sharing wisdom because that didn't sound very educated, but that just wisdom. And the thing you got to understand, because he let us know here, is that when you don't know what you're ingesting, there's a possibility that you could act like a fool. He says, don't be drunk with wine. To the old folk, he did not put a prohibition there. So Pastor Bowden is saying, he didn't say you couldn't drink wine. 
Like I can hear some of y'all thinking, oh, you know, well, I, I ain't seen anything. I'm not a drinker. I don't encourage drinking of anything that got alcohol in it. But he did give us an out. Don't be drunk. So I can't go beyond that for you, but I can go beyond that for, for me. So I don't drink wine. But if you do, I can tell you, don't be drunk. Because if when you get drunk, you act like a fool. He contrasts being drunk with wine with being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, what you got to understand is when you are, Brother Latham, just drunk, people's looking at you don't even have to be smart to figure out something wrong with you. I mean, because they say you, you, it's obvious. If you ever see somebody drunk, it is obvious. So his point is, now look at this. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it ought to be somebody ought to know what's on the inside of you by how you conduct and carry and you can't please the Holy Spirit on the inside of you if you're full of this filled spirit. Because when I used to drink, they used to put that on the side of the bottle, distilled spirit. I had to look that up, Brother Rob. Just mean dead. So why am I putting a dead spirit inside of a live sort of make me act like a... I know that wasn't going to go over too well. I told you I wasn't going to be that long. But he was just trying to get them to see, don't let drunkenness ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. If you are led by the Holy Spirit, he will guide you and he will teach you and he will put you in positions that will allow you to succeed. He's never going to do anything to try to hinder you, keep you from having the fun you want to have when you're young. Because I know I hear it all the time. We just want to have fun. Stop trying to kill our fun. You know, you're killing our energy. You know the vibe. Pastor, you're a vibe killer. I, I ain't trying to kill your vibe. I just want you to have a vibe in your right mind. I ain't got no problem. Use all the energy you want. Have all the good vibes you want. But all I'm trying to tell you is you better know how to regulate the situation that you're in when you can't control your vibes. <laughs> Let me go back to the text. I've been, I don't say it enough. Let me go back to the text. Go back to Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to spend the rest of my time here. In Matthew chapter 25, the, our text scripture is sandwiched between the parable of the bridesmaid where we see Jesus addressing five wise virgins and five foolish ones. And Jesus was illustrating to his disciples uh, and those who were listening the importance of being prepared and ready for his return. See, the wise virgins went out and got the oil that they needed, had their lamps ready. The foolish virgins was wasting time doing something else. And so, as life would have it, when the bridegroom came back, the groom came back, five was ready and five wasn't. 
And so the five that was not ready tried to come and get some oil from the ones who were ready. But saying, hey, we, you know, time's tight. Inflation, we ain't, get, we ain't got enough oil for you. You have to go out and get your own. Now get this. They leave when they should have been ready. And as life would have it while they was gone, the bridegroom shows up. The wise one are in with him. The other five are standing on the outside looking in. And I think Jesus was trying to reveal to us that, that he's coming back. We don't know when and where and what time, but we need to be We don't need to be out looking for oil when we ought to have the oil of the Spirit already on there. If you're going to be out looking for something when he come back, there's the chances are you may find the door already. On the other side of our text, we find Jesus talking about, you know, his second coming when he was talking about the kingdom is like, you know, a farmer who would separate his sheep from his goats. And at some point in time during the separation, he's going to acknowledge them for how they treated others. And in that parable, Cliff, he's just trying to let us know that, hey, look, you've got to make up in your mind why this time, this gap, this space of time that you're living in, at the end, are you going to be a sheep or a goat? See, Jesus is very binary. He didn't give you other. Sheep, goat. Now, if you want to call yourself something in between, sheep, a goat. And he said, how do I determine? They was trying to figure, how do we determine? He says, you know, what you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me. So when do we do something for the least? Well, when you saw them hungry, when you saw them in jail, when you saw them sick, when you did certain things for them. Anytime you serve others, you got to see that as serving him. And so sandwiched in between those two teachings, it's where we find our text today in verse 14. That's why verse 14 begins with the word again, following the parables about the virgins. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long, somebody say long trip. You know, the thing about a long trip, he, can, you know, he don't tell us how long, he just says long. And sometimes I think we look at that and think we got more time than we really do. You know, as I approach, you know, 70 years old and about 11 months or so or some days, you know, I look back and say, man, where did all that time? When I was 25, I looked at 75, 70 like that was a long ways away. And I was living like I thought it was a long ways away. And now I look up today and bam! And I ask myself, what did I do with all that All that time between. And so what I want to encourage you to do, break your life up into quarters, young people. Every 18 and a half years is a quarter. So some of y'all are young. Y'all just ending your first quarter. So by the time you get 36, you're going to be at halftime. Amen. So I want to encourage you, have some focus, have some direction, so that by the time you get to 36, you don't look back and say, I wonder what I did with those 18. 
Because you don't want to get to 60 and look back and say, wow, what did I do with 40? Long time. <laughs> now look what he did. He called together his servants and entrusted. Somebody say entrusted. His money. The money didn't belong to them. It belonged to him. To them. And he asked uh, while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last. Divided in proportion. That's a key word there. He knew exactly their capacity. He didn't give them more than their abilities would allow them to handle. God know your capacity. And some of us didn't give but one. That's okay. Because in the end, I'm going to show you, he's not going to reward you based upon how much he gives you. He's going to reward you based upon what you do with what he gives you. So if you got five, use them. If you got two, use them. If you got one, it's been given according to your abilities. So I don't walk around trying to pretend like I'm a doctor. I learn from doctors, and I can remember what they tell me and things like that, but I don't walk around trying to be something that I don't have the capacity. But if a doctor would ask me for wisdom, I can hold a conversation. I don't care if you're a neurosurgeon. Because I know that wisdom comes from above. So what I'm trying to tell you, know your capacity. Know what God has given you, and based upon knowing that, do the best that you can with it. Because he is coming back. Now look at this, verse 16. I want you to see diligence and productivity in this. He says, the servant who received five bags of silver began to invest. Somebody say invest. Invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work. Somebody say work. You know COVID done messed some folk up. There's some folk don't even want to go back to work. I was listening to the news today. They say companies are having a hard time getting folk to come back to They done got comfortable sitting at home and the boss now saying, come back to The Bible say, if you're going to still work for that person, and they say, come back to If you're a good steward, you got to go back to Or find you another job. Don't sit at home. Well, they can't make me. Okay. 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 Some of y'all sitting there down in the base don't want to go back to work. Unless you got permission to sit at home and do what you do. There's some young folk out there looking for jobs. And would love to get a government check that's certified all the time. Even when Congress cut the food. So, to the young people, working is not a bad gig. I know some of y'all figure you work, work, you work, let me work. Working is not a bad gig. Whatever your skill set is, you need to put in the... And if you diligently put in the work, nine out of ten, excuse me, nine out of ten times, you will be rewarded for the work that you put in. 
So look at this. So he worked and earned two more. Verse 18. Somebody say, but. You know, anytime but come in between a thought, that means it's finna go in another direction. The first two was working and diligently doing something. But. I don't even have to figure out the rest. Those of you who are English students already know this butt guy wasn't working. <laughs> this butt guy was not investing. This butt guy was not taking advantage of opportunities that he could have. Let me read it for you. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his, mon his master's money. He lost an opportunity to use what the master had given him. Some of you got gifts, skills, and talents that you got right now, and you're sitting on them. And I'm here to encourage you, dig them up. You, you done buried what you can do for the Lord somewhere. And I just dropped by to tell you, dig them up. Because you're not going to be blessed by burying what he has, in, what he has given you. There's an expectation that he has that you're going to use what he gave you. Don't be like the butt guy. Amen. And the, and the choice is yours, Cliff. You can do something with the gifts and talents and skills and the money that God has blessed you with, or you can just hide it. Now, I'm not advocating if you got money, everybody's going to need to go play the market and all that if you don't know how. But there are some people who know how to do that real good, too, when it comes to in, investing. If you like me, I just, I just like the old-fashioned bank sitting there. Give me 3%. I ain't got time to be worrying about this. And I don't put that much on. I give somebody to handle the mutual fund. But some of y'all are smart. Y'all be able to know how that thing works. And if that's your skill set, you ought to be using it. I know a young guy that was in this church. This dude's sitting at home now making six digits in the market and working for the government. So I'm trying to tell you, some of y'all got that kind of brain power. And the Lord has given you that kind of brain power, and you understand how money moves around the world, you need to take advantage of the brain power that you got. Because I'm telling you, the people that move the money use the same metrics and mechanisms to move it all over the So don't dig a hole and hide what God has blessed you with in the ground. Amen? Then accountability, day of accountability in verse 19, says, after a long time, his master returned from his trip. And then he called them to give an account of how they had used his, who money? His money. You know, sometimes we can get comfortable with other folks' stuff. And, <laughs> and then they have to come and remind us, that's my money. You know, sometimes your children get comfortable with your stuff. You know, you have to remind them. <laughs> My house. <laughs> I mean, they get comfortable. <laughs> I bought the TV in that room. It's in your room, but it's, you're just a steward over it. You don't own it. You didn't pay for it. And most of you, like Cliff is helping me out up here, they walk around with a cell phone. If you ain't paying the bill, you're just a good steward over it. So when your parents want to check out your minutes and who you're talking to, you ain't got the right to say, this is my phone. No, it ain't. No, baby, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Here's the bill. You don't, you don't even know what it costs to pay the bill. <laughs> and you walk around with your phone. 
You are blessed to have that phone because I allow you to be a steward. And when I find you acting like a bad steward with it by sending stuff that don't belong on there, or listening and talking and finding stuff that I find in it, because I got a right to check it. Some of y'all scared to check out you on the phone. I'm telling you, oh, Lord, help me. This ain't in my notes. I wasn't even supposed to go there today. But I figured, since I'm here, I might as well do something with this. He, now, look here. If you're paying the bill, you got a right to check the phone. You don't need to be surprised what your children are into when it's too late and you're paying the bill. Teenagers are teenagers. They do what teenagers do. I know they're sitting here on Sunday, and I praise God for that, but at the end of the day, they're still 13 and 19. And in between that time, in the interim, they have the potential to do some crazy, even if they come to... So you got to make them give an account. They, got, they need to learn about accountability. We should have stayed at the spot. <laughs> we, didn't, we, we thought this was recognition day. <laughs> we ready for the tacos and, and he up there messing with our phones. <laughs> Look at this. In verse 20, he said, The servant whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. He said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount. Now I will give you many more responsive. That's a bad word today. Give me some more money. But don't want no, uh, Cliff, I want more money, but I don't want another route. But if I give you the money, then your route may change. You may have to do a little route work and posting work, counter work. And he said, we're supposed to celebrate. You got to celebrate the whole thing. You just can't celebrate the raise and don't want to celebrate the responsive. Amen. Oh, Lord, ain't nobody hollering. Y'all done already got your praises in for this year. If you're on the base, they already gave out the whatever they're going to give you. So you can, you can celebrate. You know, if you want to... <laughs> If you were a good steward, you ought to just celebrate. Because he called him to a celebration. You know, this is one place in the Bible where he celebrate with us instead of telling us to celebrate him. When we are good. Look at this. The servant who had received two bags of silver, in verse 22, came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Same words. 
You have been faithful in handling a small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. He gave both of them the same commendation, Cliff. Even though one guy had five. See, I can hear some of y'all telling God, that ain't fair. That ain't fair. You get what? Well, it was my money, and it's my accommodation, and I can give it how I want. Because I didn't measure how I was going to accommodate and give them recommendations and say nice words about them based upon how much I gave them. I based that on what did they and if they did the best of their ability with two, they're going to get the same reward as the one who had. Because he was only doing what he was capable of. Sometimes that's what we get in trouble at. We think that because, you know, we got one or two more of this, that nobody else ought to be able to get the same thing. But that call ain't yours. Let me get to the bad guys, because the good guys, they got their accommodation. It was time to celebrate. Now look at this. In verse 24, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew. Somebody say, I knew. Now, if you knew me, you ought to know how I'm going to act. I knew. I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gather crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. Now, you would have thought the man would say, hey, good job. No, no, no. See, you got to see in that with some excuses. Because he was scared, and he was lazy. He was scared. And he was, and then he tried to flip the script on the master. I said, hey, it's because you hard. That's why I ain't doing nothing with it, because you hard. In, in other words, I looked up that word, how they use it, and it's talking about the master must have been exacting. Somebody thought he'd say he was demanding. And, and say, I thought about that. I said, you know, that's why some Christians may not want to serve Jesus faithfully, because they may think he is too demanding. He demanded. He put demands on you. Forsake this. Pick up your cross and follow me. He make the... And sometimes when he make those demands, we can say, man, he is exacting. But then we'll quote out of our mouths that he put no more on us than we're able to. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. It is easy and it's light. So this guy was trying to put the master on a guilt trip because when I read further, it didn't work. There's that word but in verse 26. So he had just said all those things about the master, all those things. Then the master said, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvest crops I didn't plant, and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have got some interest on it. 
You know, in the business world, they call, you know, what they call when you invest in something called ROI. Everybody want to return on their investment. I've been looking at Shark Tank a lot. <laughs> and them sharks, they always want to return. You can have the greatest idea in the world, but if they don't see no way they can make money off of it, they ain't going to front you that 250K that you want. Because they're looking for a return. And some of them say, hey, it's going to take me too long to get what I need back from you. You got a good idea, but I want my money back in two years, and you telling me I can't get it back to five. So I'm going to have to pass on you. And so what I'm trying to tell you, God is looking for a return on his investment. He has deposited something in your life, and he is looking for you to give him a return through your service to him, to others, and your family, your community, your school. He is looking for a return. Some of you are sitting back there with gifts beyond measure. But those gifts that God has blessed you with are not just for you, they're for somebody. And God is saying, I want a return on my investment. You don't want to be accused of being lazy and wicked. He could have just called him lazy, but he said, you wicked and labor servant. You knew, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you go and just put the money in the bank? Look what he did now, and I'm not going to spend much time right here because I'm about to close it. He said, now look. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. I can hear that guy say, hey, fair. He already got 10. It ain't fair. I hear little kids saying all that. They know fair. They, they, they got to understand what they think is fair. It ain't fair. You ain't work. You didn't do nothing with what you. So it is for me to take what you were supposed to do something with and give it to somebody who's going to. Oh, Lord. And I know God's way of doing things don't always match up with our natural way of thinking. Yes, I can make an argument that, man, it don't look like it's fair. Why not give it to the other guy, you know, who had the two? So he'll have a, another get the five. But I told you at the beginning, Cliff, he knew their capacity. He knew their abilities. And if I had thought the one with the two could handle another one, I would have gave it. Now look at this. He says in verse 29, to those who use well what they have, what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But, there's that word again, from those who do nothing. Somebody say do nothing. You don't want to be that person right there who do nothing. You know, young people, when I was in school, I had a teacher tell me this one time, you know, and, and it stuck with me forever. She said, you know, I don't want to give you an F. I really don't. Because I know chemistry ain't your strong suit. I really don't want you to get an F. But all I need for you to do is something. 
if you just turn the assignment in, I give you a C minus just for effort. But if you don't do, you give me no choice but to fail you. So some of those of you who are C students out there, I'm telling you, just do. Some of the biggest corporations in the world are ran by C, C students. Guys who almost failed out of college running some of the biggest corporations in the because they did. He says, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now look at this. These are some strong words, and I'm not here to, you know, litigate heaven and hell right now, but I think the words speak for itself. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I don't know where you're going to end up, but I will hope that wherever you end up, it's going to be joy and celebration. Not a whole lot of crying and grinding your... So I won't build a case for heaven or hell right there. But I will ask you a question that only you can answer. Is are you faithfully serving the Lord according to your ability? You answer that question, go back and read that parable again and come to your own I know it's going to get real quiet right there. I hope that just means y'all thinking because that ain't a point to celebrate. So he says, now look, our service to the Lord and mankind is best performed through the talents that God has given us. And he expects us to use them to the best of our ability. If you got one, use it. If you got two, use them. If you got five, use them. And then believe that you're going to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. But see, what I want you to see, most of the time people talk about this passage of scriptures only at funerals. I'm talking about this while y'all living. I believe he'll bless you while you're living. We, you don't have to wait till you're up here and we reading that because you've done something. I think he'll say, well done, because you're doing something. This could be something where the Lord will celebrate you while you are doing some things for him. You don't have to wait till you die to hear somebody because you can't hear it then no way. You want to hear him speak to your spirit. Well done. You did a great job on that task. You sung that song well. You ushered well today. You did good today. You did what I required of you to the best of your of And stop measuring your ability against the person sitting next to you, in front of you, around you. Because if you do that, you're going to find yourself either overvalued or undervalued. Because you're going to always look at the person under you and think you are better, and then you're going to always look at the person above you and think you less than. And I drop by to tell you, look in the mirror. Only judge yourself against you and the ability that he gave you. Don't try to be somebody else. Be the best you that you can be. That's all God wants you to do is to be the best you. 
And y'all young people already running around talking about, I'm just going to do me. Well, do you in accord with what God wants you to do, and you're going to be rewarded for doing. I'm through. I'm through right there. I'm through. I see some of young people back there. They done, they done zoned out on me. I went more than 30 minutes. And so they tell me young people's attention span is 30 minutes plus 30 seconds. And if you hit 32, they already gone to the next channel. Some of them probably already went to the next sermon on their, on their phone. They done just left me standing up here cold. They done already click. Let me go check this out. I'm just teasing you right now. But I'm serious. You got a space of time. And I'm telling you, don't think it's a long time. And God is expecting you to do something. Some of you are just coming into the prime of your life, man. Do something with that time. Don't look back and say, I wish I should have, could have. Whatever. If the Lord done blessed you and gave you the ability, trust him and do something. Do something. And if it's just about helping somebody, like yesterday, man, God, we had a whole squadron out here yesterday from the base, helping us give out groceries. I mean, all them young kids out here, man, that was great to see so many people. I'm saying, where's all these cars in the parking lot? It was just young people who wanted to do something. I said I wasn't going to mention it in my sermon because we got other elders in here, but I think God has blessed Brother J.P., with longevity and strength. And at 88, 89, I shortchanged, he just had a birthday. 89, 89, 89, 89. He still come down here faithfully and go out to our food pantry and help build bags and help give our lunches at 80. He ought to be just sitting at home, just watching whatever he want to watch and relax. But he still has the ability to do something. And so to those of you who are less than 89, if you're health and you got strength and you're still able to do something, do something. It may be just to call somebody and let them know that you was thinking about them. Do something. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bow and every eye closed. Every head bow and every eye closed. We've got several appeals we want to make. Again, we don't want to take it for granted that everyone is saved and everyone knows who our Lord and Savior is.